It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. On today's show, we're going to have what to watch for, keys to the game, the bet of the game, and the Thunder Moneyball, of course, but we start with the game overview. There is still no timetable for either Russell Westbrook nor Lou Dort. Both of those guys are out with an injury as of right now. Uh, it sounds like Russell Westbrook is not going to play in game two. Uh, Mike D'Antoni says there's still no timetable for him and uh, that he's progressing well, uh, but the images are, are still good, but it, it seems like he's a ways away still. So Russell Westbrook, I don't think we'll play in game two, but it is Russell Westbrook. And we could find out at like noon today that he's going to play. Lou Dort, we don't have any new information about Lou Dort. Uh, it, it's It's... Up in the air, to say the least, if he will play today. But the game tonight, or this afternoon, is at 2.30 on ESPN. So you can find it there, or Fox Sports Oklahoma, of course. Uh, so we go to the what to watch for for today. You've got Billy Donovan. I think that he is the biggest, the biggest factor in all of this. I take you back to his first playoffs, playoffs as a NBA head coach. Was with the Thunder... If you remember, in Game 1, they got absolutely demolished by the Spurs. And, and, and it left a feeling the same way we're feeling right now uh, of, wow, the Spurs are going to win in 4. They're going to win in 4 or 5. The Spurs are just a much better team. They outclassed the Thunder. Uh, they were just better than the Thunder. Uh, and they're going to dominate the series. I know that that team was a different roster. It had a little guy named Kevin Durant. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, but still... It's it's just to show that game to game, you can make adjustments and that game one does not always indicate what the series will be. And to further point out that after that game, you felt, again, the same way you feel right now where there's you don't know what the adjustment could be. You don't know what uh, what the Thunder could have done differently in game one other than not get blown out because the Spurs just looked that much better than the Thunder at that point. Uh, but Billy Donovan comes back and makes a beautiful adjustment to win that series and gets praised for out-coaching Popovich. And then he out-coaches Steve Kerr in that same playoff run. Of course, they still lost that series. But I think anyone with eyes that watched that series know that Billy Donovan coached circles around Steve Kerr. He just didn't have Steph Curry or Game 6 Clay Thompson. So I want to watch for the adjustments that Billy Donovan makes. You heard in the post-game press conference yesterday that that Donovan, or two days ago, that Donovan wants to have this team run more. Uh, and and I personally have, have always believed that's the way you beat the Rockets. I don't think you beat the Rockets by dumping it down low to Steven Adams. I know Steven Adams on the back score, uh, on the box score, looked really good yesterday, uh, you know, two days ago. But to me, draining out the shot clock and playing playing slow-paced and dumping it down low to Adams, who's double-teamed in the post, is not a recipe for success, especially not long-term against Houston. So I want to see if he'll truly make that adjustment to play fast, and I also want to see him play 
his good players more minutes. That should not sound crazy. And what is crazy is that this team played, what, 12 or 13 men in a playoff game. Uh, the playoffs are where your rotations shorten. The playoffs are where your good players play more minutes. And, and you still played 12, 13 guys. And, and to me, it, it felt like it, it felt like Billy Donovan, you have to remember that these two teams have not played each other this year. And I know that they've technically played each other this year, but I'm saying these two, these two style of teams, whenever the Thunder last played the Rockets, they still had Clint Capella. They still were not doing this small ball lineup. They still were not playing this style of basketball. So they've never gotten to see this version of the, of the Rockets. They just haven't gotten to see it. So it felt like Billy Donovan just wanted to throw everything out there and see what, and I don't want to say that he threw the game or that he didn't he didn't try to win this game or whatever or he's comfortable losing this game but it felt like he just tried to mix and match everything possible even with stuff that he knew would not work just to see what it was like against against Houston and you've put a lot on film a lot of bad stuff on film but also some good things that second half there was a few good things you can take away from that I, I want to see the, the rotation shorten, and I want to see this team get out and run. And part of those rotations shortening to me is eliminating him to Diallo. And believe me, I, I've, you know, believe it or not, I've been someone who has been uh, a believer in him Diallo, and I'm still a believer in his future, but this series is not going to be for him to Diallo. He, he, he provides nothing of substance yet as an NBA player. Does not mean he can't. I think he has room to be a good defender in the NBA. But as of right now, he has nothing of substance as an NBA player. You sit back and you think about what the best assets are of Hemino Diallo. He can dunk really well in an open gym. In in an empty gym, uh, with Shaq on the court for the dunk contest, he can dunk really well. Which means he's extremely athletic. He can't play defense all that well. Now, now, according to the numbers, he's one of the best shot disruptors in the NBA. But you saw last night he got blown by by Harden, uh, uh, possession after possession. Uh, he couldn't keep up with Harden whatsoever. Uh, didn't play any good defense on any other perimeter players at all. Just played no defense whatsoever. Uh, so he can't play defense. He can't dunk over people. He can only dunk in an open gym. He can't shoot. You saw him uh, airball two straight three-pointers. He can't ball handle. He can't pass very well. He doesn't play within the flow of the offense. He's a ball stopper who can't score. Hamadou Diallo cannot play in this league and cannot play in this series yet. And again, next year, if you've if you've traded Chris Paul and you've traded Gallinari, you know, sign and trade Gallinari, and you're going into the tank to try to get Cade Cunningham, next year is a year where you play the heck out of Hamadou Diallo. You try to grow him into that defender I think he can be. But as of right now, what he provides you is hustle, maybe a little bit of energy, from him personally, but he doesn't do enough plays to give the team energy. He just has energy himself personally. And that's it. And if there's a fast break opportunity and there's no one around him, he can give you a good dunk. That's what he provides you. And yet, he was force-fed minutes on this court in game one. And it's been that way since the team got to Orlando. I will say this with Diallo. He is a wild card. I've called him that this entire pod, this entire time I've had this podcast. He is a wild card. So while he looked atrocious and unplayable in game one, while he looked like the worst player on the floor in game one for either team, he's a wild card. He could come out and have a good game today. But I personally would not give him Diallo minutes. And again, that's not to say I'm giving up on him as a player necessarily. 
He's a second-round pick. You've already uh, gotten a lot out of him you know, compared to most second-round picks. Uh, but I still think that given the opportunity to grow, which shouldn't be during the postseason, by the way, against James Harden, but given the opportunity to grow, he can be a good defender. And once you add an asset to your game, then you do become playable. But right now, he has no asset. He just doesn't. He just doesn't have a, 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 a sustainable, tangible asset for his game. I don't see he can play him to Diallo at the, at the current uh, at the current skill set he has. His his biggest his biggest attribute is, is hustle, and, and that's not enough to me to play him in the playoffs. And what is enough to me is playing Darius Baisley. I think that Darius Baisley deserves a lot more minutes moving forward in this series. So my my number three thing to watch for is Darius Baisley. How many minutes does he get to play? Will they finally try him out since they want to run so bad? Will they finally try him out that at that small ball five? Because I've been banging uh, the the desk and the drum for Darius Baisley to be playing the five position against Houston because it's something that Donovan has said since before the seeding games. Moving forward in his career, we want to see him play that small ball five. He's played in the seeding games, that small ball five. I want to see him do it against Houston, which is a small lineup and is conducive to his skill set, where he can grab a rebound and then take off running down the floor with his impeccable ball handling and his great playmaking. And tire out a Houston team that has no depth, that has nothing left after their first unit. Tire them out. That's You're not going to beat them by slowing the game down. You're going to beat them by running with them. And running with them does not mean jacking up threes, but you have to play at a quicker tempo than you did yesterday. And Billy Donovan said as much. Chris Paul said as much. Dennis Schroeder said as much. Everyone said as much. Everyone knows they have to play faster than they did yesterday. Also, everyone knows Axios is the best way to start your morning with the news that matters most in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Badu and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends that are shaping our world. Let me tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you probably saw the Hotmail account, don't know what you were doing with that thing, and you probably saw dial-up internet that would crash your internet every single time you get a phone call, but you could have been buying auto parts online at rockauto.com. My favorite thing about rockauto.com is the fact that they will have an easy-to-navigate website that I can go to, put in my make, my year, my model, and it will only show me car parts that are designed for my car. That way I'm not wasting money on parts that are not compatible because I know nothing about vehicles. So it does not matter if you are an extraordinary car guy uh, or if you know nothing about vehicles, rockauto.com is for you. And you can tell them Lockdown sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box and they'll know what to do from there. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another thing to watch for is if Steven Adams can stay on the floor against the Rockets. The Rockets got a lot of open threes in his minutes on the floor, but in the box score, he did have a really good game. But in the second half, it's a kind of a tale of two halves for Adams. In the first half, in the second half, you both had good games, but the games looked differently. 
Okay, so in the first half, he had a good game because they were dumping it down low to him. He was waiting to like the five-second mark on the shot clock to, tur to turn around and do that hook shot. And, and he, he racked up points, and he was efficient when shooting, uh, but waiting it down to five points and then only getting two points out of it is not a way to beat the Rockets. In the second half, though, uh, early in the second half, like literally the first uh, two minutes of the second half, there were multiple possessions in a row in which he got down-low positioning inside the restricted area, that close to the rim, overpowering Rocket players, and they were able to dump it off inside to him into possession quickly with a Steven Adams 2 because they just could not hold Steven Adams. And that's more so the style of play that will play against the Rockets, that will, that will pay off against the Rockets, is just Adams beating you, not with post-ups, but with positioning. And that's the big difference to me. That you, can simple, you can simple it down to, looking beyond the box score can be simple down to, Post-ups versus positioning. Steven Adams has never been a good post-up player, ever. In his, in his entire career, he's never been good at post-ups. Get good positioning, beat the Rockets quickly because you have that good positioning. But you cannot have him grab the ball, back a guy down, even if it's a, even if it's a tiny guy like, like Daniel House, even if there's a mouse in the house. All you can do uh, at that point would, would favor the Rockets because the Rockets already like whenever you settle for, for twos, but... No matter how many times you go to that post move by Adams, since he's not a good post guy, he's not a good guy uh, when he's posting up, no matter how many times you do that, he's not going to score enough to beat you. He's not going to score 30 points, 35 points, 40 points, even with a 6'5 guy guarding him. I mean, that's just how he is in the post-up game. And you saw a lot of first-half post-ups, and it resulted in a good box score, and people were freaking out about how good he was. It was good for him personally. It was good for the box score. But for this team to win basketball games, you can't win it by posting up. The way that you get Adams involved offensively is strictly due to positioning and strictly due to him being able to literally catch it shoot it immediately after he catches it as he turns to the basket because he's got that good of positioning or even not even having to turn to the basket because he's got that good positioning. That's the way you beat this Rockets team is by continuing to move fast with Adams on the floor. Can he do that, though? Can Adams consistently get position? Can Chris Paul consistently find Adams in the post whenever he does have uh, positioning? And can they run up and down the floor and move fast with Adams on the court? And then the wide-open threes uh, are going to be the biggest thing to watch to me they've shown, the Rockets have shown that they can hit threes. You cannot continue to leave them open. You just can't. They've literally built their team around shooting threes. And it sounds crazy or hokey or funny or whatever, hot take-like, but this is why losing Russell Westbrook in this specific series, with Stephen Adams on the floor, in this specific series, this is why losing Russell Westbrook for them actually helps the Rockets because you can't put that fifth shooter next to James Harden. If Russell Westbrook's on that floor, I'm perfectly fine with, with Adams trailing him and, and shading towards the block whenever he's at the perimeter because if, if Russell Westbrook kills you with four threes or, three, or, you know, or, or five threes, I'm perfectly fine with that because I know he won't make five threes over and over and over again. But if you give Jeff Green open threes or Ben McLemore open threes, that's how those guys make a living in the NBA. They're going to they're gonna hit them. They're going to they're gonna knock them down. I don't trust Russell Westbrook can knock those shots down so you can afford to sag off of him at that perimeter. And then if he starts driving on Adams, then that plays into Adams' strength again as a down-low anchor of the defense. And again, Russell Westbrook is still, would still be an amazing player and would still uh, pile in the stats. But it would play into the hand of the Thunder defense more if he was out there versus a shooter who you have to close out on, and Adams just can't do that. At least he did not show that ability to do that yesterday. So uh, to me, 
that's where not having Russell Westbrook is actually a benefit for this Rockets team, as crazy as that sounds, in this specific matchup, because you don't have that mobile big man uh, that can go out to the perimeter. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the other thing to watch for is the Rockets role players. Now, I will say, I wouldn't include Jeff Green in this. Jeff Green has been, has been a great player uh, within the system and within the construct of Houston for this entire season. Uh, you heard about it on, on Monday with Jackson Gatlin. Uh, ever since they moved him to that center spot and allowed him to run that pick and roll at that center position without Clint Capella, he was awesome. The pick and roll, the pick and pop, he, he's been awesome alongside James Harden. I think that Jeff Green will continue to do that. Now, will the numbers be as gaudy? Maybe not. Uh, but if you leave them open, they will be, absolutely. Uh, and, and Ben McLemore with 14 points in his first ever playoff game, who knows if he can keep that pace up. Again, if you can, if you leave him open, he will be. I think that that will all even out in the wash if, if you are going to put defenses on the floor that will close out on three-point shooters, unlike what you did uh, in game one. And then the biggest thing in all of this to me to watch for I've saved it for one of the last things to watch for is Shea. Again, I said on the recap, this is anyone being negative about, about Shea right now is by no means an indictment of what Shea can be in his in his career or what Shea has been this season. And that's an idiotic take to have, to be like, oh, oh I, I see everyone says that Shea sucks now you know, within the Thunder. No, no one says he sucks. But the bottom line is he has not played well in Orlando. He has not played even remotely well in Orlando. So... If, if you want this team to win this playoff series, if you want this team to get out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City, then you need Shea to come alive. You need Shea to be the player that you think he can be. And, and again, to me, uh, this you know harping on the fact that, the, that they need Shea is actually not an indictment on his play. Uh, it, it's actually proving how valuable he is to this team. Nobody's calling for Hamidou Diallo to be better. They're calling for him to get, a bit, to get benched. No one's calling for Terrence Ferguson to be better. They're calling for him to be benched. I mean, people need, and the Thunder needs, Shea to be better if they want to win the series. And again, if he can't be better this series for whatever reason, whether he just doesn't have it in the bubble or he's injured that we don't know about, whatever it is, it means nothing about the future. But we're talking about winning a playoff game right now and a playoff series right now. And to do that, you need your best players to perform. And one of your best players is a second-year guy in Shea Gilgis Alexander. And this is not his first playoff series. He played very well uh, in the playoffs last year with the Clippers against the Golden State Warriors in Oracle Arena. He had a really good series last year. Can he figure it out against Houston, who was packing the paint against him, uh, and he didn't really know how to react to that? Uh, Houston's defense, the switches, packing the paint, they threw the thunder for a loop. And, and, and again, that's what I talked about this the last week here on this podcast was about how this is a scary series, not because the thunder cannot beat the Rockets or because the Rockets are a much better team. I think that these teams uh, are, are very even. I think that these teams are an even uh, talent level. They're an even skill set. They're an even, they're an even everything across the board. They're even, in my opinion. The difference is, though, you don't know how to play against small ball lineups. You got thrown for a bit of a loop, and how do you respond in game two? You didn't have the three games that you normally do to prepare for this. You know, you spent your three games, just by the way, the schedule uh, against the Rockets when they still had Clint Capella and were playing a totally different brand of basketball. We're a totally different team. So now you know what they're going to do. Can you counteract it? Can you can you throw a counterpunch? Yesterday truly looked like a prize fight in which Billy Donovan was content with losing round one of the fight, because he, because in his mind, 
you lose round one, but you come back and, and you figure out the next. I don't know anything about boxing, by the way, if you can't tell. Uh, and you, you lose round one, but you come back and you're able to win get, you know, round two and three and four, however many you need to win in boxing. Uh, you, know, you, you take the first punch and now you can figure out your strategy moving forward. And then can Lou Dort help would be a what to watch for if he plays. We don't know if he's going to play yet, uh, but how much does he impact this team? How much does he impact this game and this series? I want to see Lou Dort on the floor and if he's 100% or how close he is to 100%. But to me, it's pretty evident what's going to happen with Lou Dort. I mean, he's going to play impeccable defense. The shots might go in, which is just tough luck against James Harden. You can, I mean, there was multiple possessions where Andre played good defense against James Harden on a step-back three. Ferguson played good defense on a James Harden three. And then the shots just go in. I mean, what are you going to do? Dennis Schroeder played phenomenal defense a couple possessions in a row on James Harden. The shots just go in. I mean, it's just James Harden is a professional bucket, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. But I want to see what Lou Dort uh, can, how he can impact this game and how he can change the rotations a little bit for this team. If he plays, we don't know if he's going to play just yet. But coming up, we're going to have the keys to the game, including one bad habit that must die hard. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is an app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your go-to local restaurants and choose from a variety of your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your local favorites, and the food will be left right outside your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities operating in a safe manner. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off with zero delivery fees of your first order when you download DoorDash app in your app store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash and no delivery fees. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the keys to the game for this one for Oklahoma City is going to have to be limiting the Rockets' three-pointers. And it sounds really simple, but... You just have to run them off the line. You have to close out. If they beat you with a ton of layups, with, with something they do not want to do, with a mid-range shot, if they beat you that way, they beat you that way. But you cannot let them feel comfortable taking 52 three-pointers and making them at a, an above-league average clip. That's just not something that can happen where you will get beat every single game that that happens. Now, the flip side of that is that the Rockets – Three-point percentages game to game have been very up and down this season because, as everyone knows, shooting comes and goes. I mean, it's just a flow type thing, and if you're not in the flow of that game, you're not going to make threes. But 
you have to at least run them off the line. There were so many open threes, and it's a bit exaggerated, but there was like 40 of the 50, of the 52 threes were wide open, it felt like, and you just have to run them off the three-point line or at least get a hand in their face. You cannot let them shoot wide open threes, especially from the corner, which you are so susceptible to, especially with Adams on the floor. You have to figure out a way to run them off that three-point line. My number two thing is on offense, you have to run. You have to get out and go in transition. You have to keep moving. Again, don't start jacking up threes. That's not the game you play. But still, you need to pick up the pace. You're not going to beat Houston by slowing it down to a crawl. And you cannot get in to this hero ball, this iso ball that you fell into the trap of in that first half. Whenever the team got buried in this game, uh, it was because on on back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back possessions, you had Chris Paul jacking up an early three in the shot clock. You had Dennis Schroeder doing the same thing in the early shot clock of a possession. And it got back to that stagnant offense where they're just sitting around, standing around, uh, your turn, my turn, let's just see if we can uh, pass the ball back and forth enough to get an open shot, and then it never did. and the switching through them off from Houston, and just the offense was so stagnant. And a lot of that is due to not getting out in transition and not getting out and running. And that's something I've been talking about for a week. And it's something Billy Donovan talked about yesterday. And so did Shea and Chris Paul and Dennis and everyone else has been talking about. You need to get out and run with Houston. And number three has to be Shea getting revitalized Shea, getting back into form Shea, looking like your leading scorer the way he did all year long, looking like one of your best players the way he did all year long. Top players and stars make the postseason. And Shea is one of your top players, and he is a rising star in this league. Shea has to be a big part of your success, or you won't have success. If Shea's not a big part of what you're doing, this team's not going to win. And that's a lot of pressure on on a a year-two guy. And let me stress again for those of you that can't listen – this is not an indictment of his future. This is just talking about this year specifically. He is one of your best players. If you want to win a playoff series, you need your best players to perform, and he has not performed yet. He needs to perform. He really does, and, and I want to see Shea have success. I love watching Shea. He's one of my favorite players to watch, period, even if he wasn't in an Oklahoma City uniform. He's a fun guy to watch, but he was too timid yesterday. He was kind of scared yesterday, which doesn't really make sense. It makes me think that there might be an injury involved that we don't know about and we won't know about until he's out of the bubble. Because he went into Oracle Arena last year. He faced off against uh, you know Steph Curry and the Warriors last year and looked really good and really confident and really aggressive in Oracle and in the, one of the loudest buildings in the NBA. I, I just wish that he could figure it out in, in the Orlando bubble. He's not look good in Orlando outside of you know the second half or really the fourth quarter only against Denver. And that's when he looked really good. And that's been it. I want to see him get back to the old Shea because if he does, then we can start talking about this team legitimately winning the series the way we all know that they can. But you cannot do it with one of your, what, four best players at worst or three best players, I would say three best players in Shea. You cannot do that with him not performing. You just can't win any playoff series that way. So Shea needs to get going. The bet of the game is... The line right now is is Thunder plus two, and I've waffled back and forth on this, and I'm sure the line will move between now and tip-off. But it's hard because it's it's so hard to pick the Thunder to win this game after what we saw in game one, but you have to remember it's just one game. The Thunder will make adjustments. That was the first time the Thunder got to see what it was like playing against that small ball lineup, and the Rockets have looked great in one game and disastrous in another game. 
I'm taking the Thunder plus two because to me, if I'm if I'm still confident that the Thunder can win the series, if I'm still confident that the Thunder can win in seven, as I am, they have to win today. I mean, this is a must-win game too for them. Uh, not literally, it won't send them home if they lose, but for all in- intensive purposes, this is a must-win game too. I'm taking the Thunder plus two. Oh and one on Thunder games, but I'm doing pretty well on the other playoff games. But oh and one. On Thunder games, also a disclaimer here to the NCAA, I'm not actually betting money on these games. I wouldn't do that to you. I know the contract we signed. I'm just saying for entertainment purposes only, Thunder plus two. And now we take you to the Thunder money ball of the game, and that I think will be Delino Gallinari. You can cast your vote for the bet of the game and the money, money ball of the game on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I. Yes, the money ball of the game is, of course, the the prediction for who I think will lead the Thunder in three balls this contest. I think it's going to be Gallinari. I think Gallinari has another big night against Houston. They feed him the ball more, and he just goes off for Houston. And the Thunder even up the series, and we're having a fun Friday pod uh, tomorrow recapping game two. This is your only place to get daily episodes about the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I hope that you'll subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.